we'd like to welcome you to part four of our current event and weekly Bible study for June 9th, 2013. The next part, we're going to get into the subject of halos, otherwise known as a nimbus, Santa Claus, Nimrod, Semiramis, Tammuz, the Babylonian mystery religion, and sun god worship exposed. So starting out, and this is a quote, there's a lot of quotes in this particular article report. Uh, this one actually comes from the Catholic Cyclopedia, Encyclopedia. And they're, they're like basically openly admitting to this. So, you, you know, it's not like you could say, oh, well, this is all born-again biased Christian information. This is from, this is from Pagan Central, the Catholic Encyclopedia. And it says, the symbolism of the nimbus, or halo, was early in use among pagans who determined its form, meaning that if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's what it was always for. It was pagans that were using it, and they determined its form. If you invent something, you determine its original use, in other words. And they did. In the monuments of Hellenic art and Roman art, the heads of gods, heroes, and other distinguished persons are often found with a disc-shaped halo, a circle of light, or a rayed fillet. It's actually a rayed fillet mignon. Just kidding. Teasing. Anyway, they are therefore associated especially with gods and creatures, such as the phoenix, which is, you know, really a good good Christian symbol there, rising out of its own ashes. It's, it's symbolic of the Antichrist. Anyway, the disc of light is likewise used in Pompeian wall paintings to typify gods and demigods only. Okay, so it was purely used in a pagan form to deify fallen angels in these that would pose as gods and demigods. Okay? The custom of the Egyptian and Syrian kings of having themselves represented with a rayed crown to indicate the status of demigods spread throughout the East and West. In Rome, the halo was first used only for deceased emperors as a sign of celestial bliss, yeah, as they burn in hell. But afterwards, living rulers were also given the rayed crown. Straight from the Catholic Encyclopedia. Here we have a picture of, uh, the, it starts out, the pagan sun god was born on December 25th. Notice the round halo or nimbus and the glow of Santa's holy day. And there is a picture of Santa here with a, a halo-like uh, picture around him. And we're going to get way more into that coming up. So the nimbus also can also be known as radiant light or halo around many of the ancient gods and goddesses originated in sun god worship. The nimbus or halo was originally indicative of a solar power in the sun's disk and is hence an attribute of the sun gods. Now this is a quote from J.C. Cooper's Illustrated Encyclopedia of Traditional Symbols, page 112. So I don't even think he's trying to debunk anything or demonize anything. They're just documenting it. Just like the Catholic Encyclopedia was documenting it. You know, so this is a uh, a um, quote from the Encyclopedic Theosophical, which we would get Adam Blavatsky, who was the forerunner to Alice Bailey that we just quoted, high level Luciferian uh, devil worshiping occultist. This is in the Encyclopedic Theosophical Glossary by the Theosophical University Press. They say the adoption of the Nimbus 
surrounding the heads or the entire bodies of Christian saints was a clear case of borrowing from the Orient. Because from time immemorial, the nimbus had been used there to signify spiritual ecstasy as exemplified in large numbers of Buddhist images. It's totally, totally pagan and has always been totally pagan. Therefore, it makes it evil. And we don't want to be putting that on any type of art and saying it's Christian. Here we have another picture of a little boy on Satan Claus's knee, and he's got the old Egyptian sun disc nimbus around his head. <clears throat> this is a quote from sun, the book Sun Worship by Wayne Blank. He says, Since the most ancient times, the sun has been a favorite god or god symbol of pagan people all around the world. Um, <clears throat> The Babylonians, Persians, Egyptians, Greeks, Romans all had their sun gods. The native peoples of North and South America widely practiced sun worship, as did their Asian ancestors. Sun worship was also widely practiced by the people of the Middle East, and even the Israelites were sometimes corrupted by it. The pagan Europeans, too, were deeply involved in sun worship, and many of their sun god festivals were carried over when they professed conversion to Christianity. See, they brought all that garbage and baggage with them into Pseudo-Christianity, essentially. These can be seen today in the Easter bonfire, the sunrise services. We got into that before. I mean, you have a sunrise service and you're literally facing toward the sun as it's coming up. It's basically very indicative of sun worship. Um, And also the Christmas tradition of burning the Yule log. Uh, From the same book, he also says, the heads of saints really didn't glow as so often portrayed in religious art. The use of the halo or the nimbus originated with the pagan Greeks and Romans to represent their sun gods, uh, their sun god Helios. Later, artists adopted it for use in Christian images. Satan's always trying to corrupt, pervert true Christianity. Originally, a very devious way of mixing idolatrous sun worship with Christianity by converts who were not at all converted meaning they were there for a reason, they were infiltrating, they were doing this on purpose, to try to leaven Christianity with this sin. So, originally a very devious way of mixing idolatrous sun worship with Christianity, the pagan halo became an unfortunate tradition in Christian art. Well, really more Catholic art, but I think it even now has probably bled over to uh, Christianity in some way, shape, or form, I'm sure. I mean, you go in most churches and you can see these halos. So this is a quote from Christmas, A Biblical Perspective. And it says, The birthday of the sun god Mithra was December 25th. Instead of opposing this idolatry, the Catholic Church literally made up the idea that December 25th was Jesus Christ's birthday and celebrated the pagan holiday with a new name. Christ Mass, or Christmas. It's the Mass for Christ. The, um, <clears throat> the first man... To declare himself God was Nimrod. His mother was Semiramis. Declared herself to be the mother of God. Together, now Nimrod was a like the great great or something grandson of Noah. Okay, so together with their son, together with well, Tammuz was born after Nimrod. See, the problem is when you run into the Nimrod Semiramis Tammuz story, there's ver- there's varying versions of it. Okay, um, but. And we're going to get into that. But they're saying, together with their son Tammuz, they replaced the worship of Jehovah God. Tammuz came after Nimrod was gone, though. Uh, They replaced the worship of the Jehovah God with a triune triune or false trinity 
mystery god. Okay, why would they do that? Because they were seeking to copy the biblical trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're always trying to counterfeit anything God does. So now they have their false trinity that they preposition way ahead of time prior to even the birth of Christ. So, since Tammuz married his own mother, he blasphemously proclaimed himself both God the Father and God the Son. See, he said he was the reincarnated version of Nimrod, his dad, supposedly. But there's varying other versions where Nimrod died and supposedly, you know, Semiramis was impregnated by whatever. So, it's so gross. I mean, it's so disgusting. And you would think, you know, if Satan was going to have his trinity, it would be it would be involved in incest and, you know, this type of disgusting behavior. But this was the start of the Babylonian mystery religions that have spawned about all of the other pagan religions that we've ever had on the planet. This is like ground zero for it, as we're going to see. When the people's language was confused at Babel, they took with them the religion of Nimrod and spread it all over the earth. True. God confounded the languages. The Hamites, um, you know, the, the, the Shemites and the Japheth, you know, all these, these people, they went to different parts of the earth. And um, they took a piece of the paganism they knew and basically started their own religions at that point. And they were all different, but all were pagan in their roots. So, Every pagan god and goddess has received some aspect of Nimrod and Semiramis worship and devotion. All the pagan sun gods of the world claim to have been born on December 25th. Did you know that? All the pagan sun gods of the world claim to be born on December 25th? (laughs) Oh, man. When you honor and adore the, quote, baby Jesus on December 25th, you have been duped into giving the pagan sun gods of this world honor, attention, and worship and without even knowing it, December twenty. And again, I've done a whole teaching on Xmas, probably several. Just key in Xmas or Christmas in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. This is just the tip of the iceberg. But um, December twenty fifth, a festival was celebrated among the heathen at the precise time of the year in honor of the birth of the son of the Babylonian queen of heaven. In this particular case, Semiramis. The the she was the original queen of heaven, Semiramis. The sun god, this was in honor of the birth of the son of the Babylonian queen of heaven, the sun god Nimrod, and the same festival was adopted by the Roman Catholic Church, giving it the name of, giving it the name of Christ. Uh, That quote was from the two Babylons by Alexander Hislop, which is also a very good reference book for these types of issues. Now, the next quote comes from the Encyclopedia Americana, Volume 6, page 623, and it says, December 25th, um, instead of this day being the time of our Savior's birth, it was the very day and season on which pagans for centuries had celebrated the birth of the sun god. Uh, A study into this shows how far apostate church leaders went in their effort to merge Christianity and paganism into one apostate religion, even to the placing the birth of Christ on a date to harmonize it with the pagan celebration of the birthday of the sun god. It was in the 5th century that the Roman Catholic Church commanded that the birth of Christ be observed forever on December 25th, the day of the old Roman feast 
of the birth of Saul in Viticus, one of the names of the sun god. That's when it started, the 5th century, when the good old Roman Catholic Church started this blasphemous paganization of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and putting it on, so that way they could paganize the Catholic Church uh, religion, the pagans would recognize that and, and view all of these pagan holidays that are being celebrated on the same days. Yeah, they change the veneer a little bit. They kind of give it a Christian veneer, but it gives the pagans much more peace about converting to Catholicism. And the Christians that are already in that movement, uh, let's say pseudo-Christians in the Catholic Church, what do they know? They probably haven't done their homework anyway. They probably don't know. And this is how it all got. This is all how it got going here. Um, from the book Man and His Gods, page, man, 2013, that must be a big one. The winter solstice around December 25th was the time at which all the sun gods from Osiris to Jupiter and Mithra had celebrated their birthdays. The celebration being adorned with pine trees for Adonis, like we have our Christmas tree, the holly of Saturn, Saturn, God, sixth planet from the, from the, uh, Sun, six letters, Saturn, which is also an acronym for Satan, okay, the holly, like we have holly in Christmas time, the holly of Saturn, and the mistletoe tappers represented the kindling of the newborn's sun god's fire. See, all of these traditions at Xmas are all pagan. All of them that we have. Actually, there are many links between Christmas and sun god worship. The most obvious link is the date itself. We also know that the Bible says that Jesus was born during a warm month, when the sheep and their shepherds were still spending the nights outdoors. We also know that could not have been in December, because that time of the year was too cold and rainy. History reports that back then, and even now, the sheep in the area of Bethlehem and Jerusalem are kept indoors at night after the month of October. So if they start in October, they're sure not going to be outside in December when it's way colder. Again, we've covered that story that at length as well in previous teachings. You can always do keyword searches up on contendingfortruth.com to find specific subjects. Um, Catholic Encyclopedia, here's another quote. In early Christian art, the nimbus or halo was not found on any images of God nor on any celestial beings. An early Christian art, it was never found because it was pagan and everybody knew it. And they wouldn't dare try that. They had to wait until everything had been paganized for them to start pulling that one off. So here we have some pictures of the sun goddess um, with a halo. We have one of the pagan god Neptune, which would be like the god of the sea uh, with a nimbus crowning his head. And then we have December 25th, the birth of the sun god. And we have this little um, uh, Christ-like kind of baby figure. All the sun gods from Nimrod to Osiris to Saturn to Adonis were all born on December 25th. That's why we should have nothing to do with good old Xmas. Well, he's the reason for the season. No, he's not. The sun god is the reason for the season. Tammuz is the reason for the season. Jesus Christ was never the reason for this season. And he didn't tell us to go around even celebrating holidays or things like that. Well, I'm going to use it. Well, okay, fine. Use a pagan holiday for God's glory. Fine. Do that. Go with that. 
because I've gotten so many uh, altercations with people throughout the years. Listen, if you're going to do that, do it. You're going to be the one that has to answer to God for that, not me. Uh, your blood's off my hands. I warned you, okay? So, I'm sorry, but, <laughs> you know, when you engage in so many arguments over the years about these types of things, it's like, well, okay, fine. You're going to do what you do. Go your way. That's fine. Um, uh, you don't have any biblical justification for what you're doing, uh, but that's your prerogative. So, here is a quote from Beyond the Da Vinci Code by Alan Parker. Uh, he says, the real secret of Constantine, he was the guy that literally started Catholicism in 318 AD. Okay? He was considered by many possibly the first pope. I guess you could call him that. Anyway, the real secret of Constantine and the bishops of Rome is their cunning introduction of sun god worship and paganism into Christianity. It really was never Christianity. It wasn't like they owned Christianity and they corrupted it. The real Christians were always a separate line from the Catholics, always. And, our, and, the, and the real Bible was always a separate line. The Catholics had their Bible, started in Alexandria, Egypt, came up through all their corrupt text versions. Then they had the Viticus and the Sinaiticus, the, the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus, which spawned all the modern day versions we have today, the revised version of 1881 being the first. And then you have the other Bible lines that come up through where they were first called Christians at Antioch, which had nothing to do with Catholicism, that came up through its own text line, like the majority text, the Byzantine text, these types of Bibles, into the King James, and spawned the King James Bible. Okay, so they're two separate lines of, of Christianity. One, corrupted, corrupted Bible, corrupted religion. The other one, uncorrupted Bible, true Christianity. Okay? Those are the those those are the how you can uh, look at that. So, um, let me read this again. The real secret of Constantine, the bishops of Rome, is their cunning introduction of sun worship and paganism into Christianity. It was done so shrewdly that, incredibly, it has been veiled within the faith for centuries. Through Constantine, paganism and Christianity join hands with the Roman Empire. Sun worship, which appears to nearly every pagan religion in the world, soon appeared in Christian art imagery, and theology. The halo often seen on Christ and Mary is actually a symbol of the sun god worship. And that's a quote from that book that we just talked about. So this is, this is matter-of-fact things that we're reporting on. This isn't like up for debate. You, there's, no, there's no way you could come back against this information and say, it's all lies. All those sources are all lies. None of them have their facts straight. Halos were always good. Satan... Or I mean Saturn, I mean I mean Semiramis, I mean I mean all these things were all good, and 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 Christ, you know, it was always Christ's birthday, and and it was never the sun gods. But you can't you can't argue these points. It was always this way. These are things that were going on before Christ was even born, and it's well documented. So, you know, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? So going further, and I'm not talking to my listeners so much because most of my listeners have a grasp on this. You know, but people listening to this for the first time. This is a real deal breaker for a lot of people. You start getting into Christmas, it's like, forget it, you're done. I don't want anything to do with you. How many people or my listeners have had their families totally abandon them over this one issue because they took a stand? Jesus Christ said, not, think, think not that I come to bring peace, but a sword. And a man's foes will be they of his own household. If there was any one issue that will, that will bring this out where you will know who the foes are in your own household, good old Xmas is the one. It is the 
It is the King Grand Poobah of them all that will cause this. You know, I've had nothing to do with it for years. Or birthdays, or Ishtar, or Valentine's Day, or Halloween, or any of those pagan holidays. And birthdays aren't biblical either, and I did a whole teaching on that. Just key in birthdays in the keyword search box. I'm not saying it's as bad as Christmas or anything like that, but you can see where the roots are of it in, in the teaching. I get into that in depth. So, you know, it's pagan. Pagan to the core. Always been pagan. So here we have some pictures of various Madonna and child artwork from different uh, time periods, different religions, and things of this nature. And all of these pagan religions always have their Madonna and child. The Catholic version is Mary and baby Jesus, but it's not the real Mary of the Bible or the real baby Jesus. It's a knockoff of Semiramis and Tammuz, but they're not going to tell you that. Okay, then you have like the, the, you see two within Indians. The Indians have their artwork like that. And then the Orient does. And, you know, um, African, they all have this. Here we have another one, um, a picture of Babylonian Semiramis and Nimrod Tammuz. It looks like, in this case, it looks like Tammuz, he's sitting on Semiramis's lap. It looks like he's a dummy. Like he looks like one of those little dummies where he, you know, talks, you know, with like, you know, you kind of don't move your lips and he, Looks like a little comedy act, almost. Anyway, so, um, then we have one from, it looks like Aztec or Mayan, and they've got their version of the uh, mother and child worship. And in this particular case, in every instance, there's, other than one, there's a halo around the mother and the baby's head. So, there's another big, gigantic red flag when you want to avoid this stuff. Nimrod of ancient Babylon was the first human to claim that he was a god. His mother, Semiramis, claimed to be the mother of God. Okay. Um, Nimrod was born on December 25th, and since all other sun gods were fashioned after him, the answer is obvious. Semiramis and Tammuz were worshipped as Madonna and child. And as the generations passed, they were worshipped under other names in different countries and languages. Many of these are recognizable. For example, Fortuna and Jupiter in Rome, Aphrodite and Adonis in Greece, Astaroth or Astarte and Moloch and Baal in Canaan. Okay, just a different flavor, different culture, different flavor, same devils, essentially, they're worshipping. And that was a quote by Syncretismus by Martin G. Collins, um, December 1995. And this is a quote by World Religions by David Terrell. He says, In his deified form, Nimrod, the sun god, was also known as Baal, or Baal. Mythology reveals the fact that the god Baal and the goddess, the queen of heaven, were universally worshipped under various names and titles. History confirms that Nimrod and his wife, Semiramis, were the prototypes for all gods and goddesses that permeated all subsequent cultures and societies. This is a really big deal. This is bedrock foundational stuff we're looking at here for all pagan religions on planet Earth. When Nimrod was a young boy, his mother, Semiramis, desired him. That's so beyond disturbing. Uh Ah, And, in fact, ended up marrying him. That's 
That's so evil and twisted and warped. I can't even comprehend it. When Nimrod died, he was made the sun god. Semiramis then had an illegitimate son called Tammuz, who she claimed to be the son of Nimrod. Um... So I guess Nimrod came back in spiritual form and impregnated her. I've also heard other versions that are incredibly perverted that I'm not even going to quote. So I said, there's different versions of this story. It's, but it, what it boils down to is you got your unholy trinity. Nimrod, father, Semiramis, uh, mother, and son is Tammuz. Now, it's no coincidence that there's a lot of religions out there that in their trinity, they view that there's a female aspect of the trinity. That it's God the Father, God the Son, and Mother Goddess. Okay, this has a lot to do with this whole Shekinah glory thing that I got into before. There's a lot of actual religions. I actually uh, believe Mormonism teaches this at the deepest levels. And other religions do as well. And this would only be in the higher level, pseudo-Christian circles that you would never find this out. But they believe that. Okay. Which totally would line up with this paganism that we're looking at right now. Because that's what they believed going all the way back to Babylon. You know, God the Father, God the Son, and Mother Goddess. So, really some sick stuff here. Uh, Semiramis also declared that her son Tammuz was in actuality the return or the rebirth of her husband Nimrod. So, supposedly Nimrod impregnated her and she gave birth to him. (laughs) We're talking some seriously delusional, evil, perverted stuff here. Okay. Um, That was a and then continuing, Tammuz became symbolized by the golden calf. Isn't that interesting? I didn't know that. So remember when they made the golden calf after they came out of Egypt? Well, that was their way of, of, of worshipping Tammuz. Okay? Remember, they had just been in Egypt for a long, long, long generations in Egypt for a long time. First thing they do is come out of there, take all their gold when, whenever they have this... Whenever Moses was up on the mountain a little bit too long and their faith began to waver, I guess they didn't have any at all anyway, and they take all their gold and they you know, make this golden calf and worship it. Who was that symbolic of worshiping? Tammuz. I kind of always wondered about that. It would make sense. Remember, they weren't that far removed from the Babylonian time period. And obviously, Egypt is where they had been spending <laughs> their lives at, and obviously, Egypt was pagan central. So, Tammuz became symbolized by the golden calf. Semiramis became known as the Queen of Heaven. Now, the Bible uses that exact term. Baking cakes to the Queen of Heaven. Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah 11, Jeremiah 14. I believe it's Jeremiah 7 where it talks about the Queen of Heaven. And it talks about that in this particular society where they were baking cakes to the Queen of Heaven and where they were sacrificing their own sons to Moloch and Baal and stuff like this. And it finally gets to a point where God says, do not pray for them. For I will not hear your prayer anymore. And they even got to the point where they, they viewed that we're, we're, so, we're so religious and we're so with it that we're actually called of God to do these things. These people were so blinded and deluded. In this particular case, Israel 
was so blinded and deluded that they thought that they were commissioned by God to do these abominations. And one of the things they were doing is baking cakes to the Queen of Heaven. Do a keyword search for it. You'll find it. So, um, and this was the prototype from which all other pagan goddesses came from. And that's a quote by World Religions by David Terrell. So, I like this particular report because it's highly referenced with different varying resources and sources, you know, um, and so it's, it's, and then we have some pictures you can look at here, um, Semiramis, Nimrod, Temuz, this is the unholy trinity, and the moon, Semiramis was also known as the moon goddess of ancient Babylon, she was the wife and the mother of Nimrod, that's, um, that's pretty gross, and then Temuz is at the bottom, and then you got Nimrod, the sun god, and, um, now, in this particular one, we have a picture of, I believe it's Mary and Jesus when he was a little boy, supposedly their rendition of it. And it says, notice the similarities between the Mary of Christendom and the ancient Babylon Semiramis, the goddess who wore a crown and was also called the Queen of Heaven. Well, it's the same thing. We're just not telling you that. Okay? It's just repackaged paganism with a pseudo-Christian veneer. Um... Going further, by history we can prove that Babylonian, the Babylonian religion invaded the whole world and is the basis for every system of idolatry. And is the theme of mythology as well. You know, all the, the god, Greek god myths and all that. Well, that's where a lot of that came from too. Through the names of gods, though the names of gods are different because of the various languages of the world, the world's major religions can be traced back to ancient Babylon. Satan is known as the father of lies. I mean, if you think about it, okay, everybody was wiped out in the flood. Okay, they had to kind of start off, over. They got eight people, you got to start over. Okay, so you would think that if they were in Babylon, and they were, and they were trying to build the Tower of Babel, and God looked down and, and said, you know, we have to intervene here, I'm going to confound their languages, and they all split up. They all took a piece of the occult puzzle with them. Okay, now that all is coming back together in the end times. Okay, this is a big theme of, of all getting on the same page, the New World Order, everybody united for Satan. That's what they were trying to do in the Tower of Babylon, they're trying to do right now with the New World Order. It's just the, it's like the, the Tower of Babel, the, the second time around here. Okay, and in fact, the New World Order is depicted many times as the Tower of Babel being rebuilt in high-level, elitist, globalist publications. I actually see pictures of this depicted in that way. So, um, this is really, you know, major to know this. Uh, th this is a really major issue. So, Satan is known as the father of lies, which deceiveth the whole world. And Nimrod was the father of all false religion. It's a good point. Because that's where it started from ground zero. Once it started over, it was like God hit the reset button with the flood, wiped everybody out except eight people. They had to start over. Well, where did the false religion there start from? Babylon. So, it's pretty simple when, when you look at it like that. The logical person to replace the great mother of paganism was Mary, the mother of Jesus. It mattered not to pagan Rome whether they worshipped the goddess mother and her child under the Egyptian names Isis or Horus, or the Babylonian names of Semiramis or Tammuz, or the Roman names of Venus and Jupiter, or under the names of the Virgin Mary and the Christ child. Either way, it was the same old idolatrous religion. And now that comes from a quote from 
a book called Bail Mass, Where Did, the Chris, Where Did Christmas Come From? by Tom Adams. Here's another quote. The Christianization of pagan customs, symbols, and terminology. Christianity had to undergo a transformation so that the pagan Rome could convert could convert others, I guess, without giving up its old beliefs and rituals. The actual effect was to paganize official Christianity. Well, it really was never real Christianity, but they said it was. Obviously, the Catholic Church is going to say they, that it was. A compound religion had been manufactured, of which Christianity furnished the nomenclature. And paganism furnished the doctrines and the rites. Okay? So... The idolatry of the Roman world had by no means been demolished. Instead of this, its pagan nakedness had been covered with a garb of deformed Christianity. That guy really nailed it, who wrote that. That was eloquently written. Where was that from? Uh, Vine, uh, Gospel Track Publications, The Collected Writings of W.E. Vine, Volume 5, uh, Glasgow, Scotland. Anyway, pages 436 to 439. So, Going further, here's another quote from Syncretimus by Martin G. Collins. He says, after Nimrod's death, Semiramis promoted the belief that he was a god. She claimed that she saw a full-grown evergreen tree spring out of the roots of a dead tree stump. This is where we, I guess in part, get the Yule log thing. Symbolizing the springing forth of new life for Nimrod. Uh, On the anniversary of his birthday, December 25th, she said Nimrod would visit the evergreen tree and leave gifts under it. His birthday fell on the winter solstice at the end of December. The Christmas tree leaving gifts under it. (laughs) This is where we get all these traditions from, you know? It's insane. Now, the Bible says, put away strange gods that are among you and be clean. Uh, Genesis 35.2. Uh, Deuteronomy 12, 30-31 Inquire not after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? Ye shall not do so unto Jehovah your God. The Bible says in Jeremiah 10, 2 Learn not the way of the heathen. And I believe that's in regard to an Xmas tree that they're talking about there. At least in part. And then there's uh, and take heed lest you lift up your eyes to heaven and you should see the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the host of heaven, should this be driven to worship them and serve them. So, again, this is not something we're supposed to, when we see the sun and the moon and the stars and the host of heaven, we're not supposed to worship them and serve them. That's Deuteronomy 4.9. But it's evidently it's been a temptation throughout all the, all the ages. I mean, I've never really been tempted to do it, but I'm not saying I'm better because of that, just... Don't really get it, but it, there's a huge demonic component that goes along with it. And um, so, anyway, that's the end of the actual study. I'm going to go into my little health corner here. And I'm probably just going to end this part and then go into that, and then we'll be uh, done for today. So, God bless you, and we'll see you in part five.